0: Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Striebeck.
1: It is my honor and privilege to introduce to you uh, Dr. Craig Curry. You know, we've been really fortunate in these Consecration Sundays. We've had an all-star list of speakers the last few years, and this just kind of keeps getting better. And so, uh, Craig, you can read some of the things that he's done and kind of his short bio and your bulletin there. Uh, but I've known Craig for a long time, and I've looked up to him from afar and sometimes a little closer. And one of the things when you notice somebody who's years ahead of you in the same kind of work, you notice the trail that they leave behind. You notice the seeds that they plant and kind of the consistency of their character. It's like when you, when you rent a lease a farm that a good farmer's been farming, you can tell uh, what they did with the soil and kind of how they took care of things. And it's the same way when you follow somebody in a church or on a board or something like that. So in addition to pastoring, you know, what's considered one of the flagship appointments in our conference and really in the Southwestern United States at First Lubbock, um, he has just mentored a lot of pastors and he's He's done a lot of great work that's benefited all of us uh, as we're out here in this region and this part of the world, and I've just come, Craig, to admire you and how you are with your family and the things that you do, and so it's a joy to have you with us today, Uh, and so welcome with me, Dr. Craig Curry.
0: Thank you. Wow. Thank you, Ryan. Would you follow me everywhere I go and introduce me in places? It was very nice. I, uh, I was... Reminded before the service started that Morgan sat, and she's already slipped away somewhere, there she is, uh, sat with um, five of us pastors at annual conference at a, a restaurant and had to deal with us talking shop, talking church stuff, talking pastor stuff, and she held her own. And uh, that was my introduction to Morgan. And so what a, what a blessing it is for me to be able to uh, come in, in support of Ryan and his ministry, uh, of Ryan and his family, uh, and to be able to uh, be a part of your Consecration Sundays. Uh, uh, when you kind of go back through Scripture, uh, this kind of moment was not just about setting the gifts apart bringing first fruits setting gifts apart but it was more about setting the people apart so that what was presented were gifts but those gifts reflected the commitment of people to god and his purpose and what he was doing and so it's not just what we bring it's who we bring to him amen uh, and that 's what today is about is we get to renew that commitment together, and we, we get to come before him and and allow him to speak into us again and and see us as we really are and uh, still love us and still expect of us and still trust us so uh, that's what that 's what today gets to be for us. Uh, Ryan and I go. Back, I think my first encounter with him was on his Chrysalis college chrysalis uh, uh, walk back in Lubbock, uh, Slayton. Um, and uh, we talked a little bit about that. I, I remember in my talk I had my brand new tailor-made three wood that I used as an as a object lesson. And I don't remember what I said, but I remember my three wood. So it um, tells you how spiritual I am. We're blessed to serve Elmwood West uh, uh, in our pasts and blessed to get to to, uh, have a lot of common friends and and buddies. And uh, I really respect Ryan in his work in his churches, with his family, and with our annual conference. And I have uh, been able to watch that. And that is a blessing to me. I also... want to say good morning to First United Methodist Church Sweetwater because uh, this is a special place to us uh, in the the fact that in the past we came real close to coming here uh, as a pastor, and uh, that's a story Jay and I kind of talked a little bit about before the service. It uh, it's been also a blessing to be a part of walks to Emmaus in this area when my in my Abilene and Snyder days, and uh, several of us have been on those walks, and I think I worked a walk uh, uh, for some of you who are in the room, and. Uh, That's a blessing as well. I I hope to end this message um, tying back into the series, the Genesis series that uh, Ryan has uh, led you through. Um, I I hope to uh, help us feel like we know today that God trusts us. Would you pray with me? God, I ask that you... Would speak through me. I ask that you would give to each of us a a renewed sense of your voice, of your care, of your love for us. I, I, I pray that your spirit would somehow be breathed into us all over again, and that today we would know that we have a job to do in your name. Amen. Amen. So there's no special way or holy way to open a bottle of water before you get started. So excuse me. Give me a second to do that. Telling Ryan that when you retire from the ministry and you don't preach every week, um, your voice gets weak. And so uh, thank you for putting up with me getting back into the swing of things this morning. Why would, you, why would you do a, a message to finish a, a series on Genesis out of John chapter 20? Why would you read a passage about Jesus sending off his disciples uh, in, in order to try to tie together what Ryan has so... Adeptly, and by the way, academically, I, I really appreciate your teaching style, Ryan, because uh, I followed the series, and, and I appreciate also how you, you shared those stories in, a ways that, in ways that help me understand that better. And, um, so well, but why would you go to John 20? The story that we get in John 20 is Jesus. Surprising his disciples, uh, there is a, a mystery in the room. They w- weren't expecting his visit there was a, there was a struggle going on inside of them they They were lost they they didn't know what next steps to take. Their leader was hit, hit and miss. Uh, John captures the surprise of that of that Uh, That visit, and he records Jesus' blessing and peace that he speaks over them, and Jesus uses that phrase, uh, peace be unto you. Uh, In fact, uh, that's probably worth vetting out. I'm going to let Ryan dig that phrase out of Scripture and teach you how that spoke to the disciples to the point that I think he had a pattern of using that phrase— And so when he shows up in the room, and it's a surprise, and he uses that phrase, peace be unto you, that wasn't a surprise. That was a need that they needed to hear him speak that peace over them. Peace be unto you. What is it inside of us that needs to hear those words? What is it we've been dealing with this last week, this last year, that we need to hear him speak those words over us, peace be unto you. These are the words he uses, peace be unto several times. In fact, if you look at Matthew 28, a similar kind of a going away time, he uses that same phrase, peace be unto you. And if you dig that out, there is something there that Jesus pours over them. And this story reflects a sense of doubt and uncertainty with the ranks perhaps maybe even more importantly john captures the moment of sending these disciples out sending out the earliest followers on their mission and can you feel that a goodbye time there there is a there is a, a handing of the baton time there is a, a handing off of the keys to a teenager going on here. There is, there is a giving the family business to the kids kind of moment happening right here. And yet, these disciples weren't ready. They were, they were struggling. They, they were denying. They were afraid. You know the stories of what they had gone through just in the weeks prior they, they, were, they were doubting. They were unsure what was next. They didn't have a plan. They hadn't sat down and had a committee and done a strategic plan and, and worked out some kind of initiatives to be able to follow. they were lost and stuck. And yet, Jesus knew every frailty of those disciples. He knew the broken places. He had seen and even witnessed the denials. He he had been with them in their good moments, and he had watched them in their learning moments. Every doubt, every denial, every sin, every shortfall, he knew all about those. And yet, we still get this moment in this story When Jesus hands over the baton, he hands them the keys, he gives them the family business, and he sends them off. Uh, This last week, uh, I I sent a quick text to a a friend of mine, a young man uh, who was in our church uh, there in Lubbock. Happens to be a cotton farmer and I knew happened to be in the middle of stripping season. You know how that goes out here. And I just say, I'm praying for you. Hope it's a good season and safe season. And I get this text back from him. uh, And it's a picture of him riding. It's a little video of him riding in his cotton stripper. But it's a special video. You see, this friend is the son of a cotton farmer who is the son of a cotton farmer up in the panhandle. And the grandfather had passed on the business and the equipment and probably some of the debt and uh, and the land, and uh, he had passed it on to his son. And along with all that came a gin and responsibility and a, a a whole community reputation. And and so the son takes that that reputation and the gin and the and the farm and the equipment and the debt and and he raises up his kids and and sure enough his three kids one of them is a dentist the other one is a is a, a administrator at tech but there's one who is the farmer and this kid has all the keys now to the tractors this kid has the family business. This kid has taken the baton of that family farm and that gin and is running. So he sends me a a, a video of him driving that cotton stripper. And you know who's got the wheel? His eight-month-old son, who's sitting there in his lap with a smile and holding on to that wheel. And Chase says he loves it here. Passing the baton, handing off the keys, sharing the family business. That's what Jesus is doing here with these disciples, even though he knew they weren't completely ready, even though he knew that there was a lot yet ahead of them. But it was about what God wanted to do through them. Amen? It's about what God saw was going to happen through them. And because of those broken, Lost, doubting, denying disciples. You and I are here today because of their commitment, because of their willingness. So, why John 20? There's this one very small, almost parenthetical moment that happens in this passage where Jesus does something very unique. He he actually, uh, the the Scripture says that He breathes on them the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that in the text that Jay read? He he breathes on them the Holy Spirit. This moment of, of letting them be filled with the Spirit is John's version of what we get in Acts chapter 2, it's what we uh, get in, in Matthew 28, but John gives it to us this way. It was the Spirit gift, not so that they could feel good or show off, but it was the Spirit who would drive their serving, their proclamation, their, their witnessing, their pastoring people and caring in the community the spirit that would drive their missionary work, their giving, their sacrifice to transform the world. And in this little phrase, it says that Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the spirit. Entrusted. Entrusted. With a spirit breath. Entrusted the cool thing is that we see a string of trust when God actually has been passing that baton and handing off those keys and 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 turning over the family business to unlikely uh, imperfect doubting fumbling servants all through the years in fact we can see Jesus he chose tax collectors fishermen and several others and he said come follow me trusting them the voice at Jesus' baptism, that booming voice, this is my beloved son. And there is a trust that happened from father to son. It's a theme that if you follow the angel calling Mary to do something special, carry this baby and trust it. And she said, Let it be as you have said. We can walk it back all through time, in ways that God has entrusted broken people to move God's kingdom forward. Josiah, Hezekiah, Solomon, David, all entrusted. Not perfect, let's get clear, but trusted. Ruth, Rahab, Tamar, entrusted, and are a part of the story. Jacob, Isaac, Abraham, and Sarah entrusted. And let's not forget about Moses and Noah, whose covenants are an important part, foundation of our new covenant, entrusted. All the way back to Adam and Eve. And this vague, often forgotten about moment in creation where God entrust a special part of his creation in genesis 2 7 and by the way this is how i tied john 20 back to genesis 2 Uh, this is what it says then the lord god formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being entrusted not breathing into him uh, life so that he could say, hey, look what I did. But breathing him, into him a, a, a form of life that was expected to come alive and be fruitful and build the kingdom that God had visioned. There was an expectation with that breath. From the very beginning, God has breathed God's self into his human creation. Only us. He puts his image in us. He he puts his spirit in us. He puts his life in us. Only us. So that we can be fruitful. So that we can carry on the family business. To do something with that spirit breath that transforms the world. And that's why we're here. Jesus taught a story About a trusting farmer you you've heard the story he he gets ready to go on a long trip I kind of think it's a golfing trip myself and uh, he and his buddies gear it up and they're going to be gone for several weeks he gives his property the scripture says he gives his property to his several of his servants one of them five talents one of them two talents one of them one and he entrusts that to them while he is out We are so familiar with this parable that we usually jump to the money part and want to know how much was that and how much did they make and what happened with it. But when you look at the story more carefully, I think Jesus' story casts the image that we need in order for us to get back to what it is to be entrusted servants. See, he brings them together and he gives them his stuff. He puts his wealth in their hands to trust them. And that's the moment of that story. God has entrusted us. We're here in First United Methodist Church, Sweetwater, Texas, in this post-COVID, can we say that word yet? Almost post-COVID era. In this time and season when our community and our state and our world is uncertain, in this time when ministry gets to be reinvented, in, in this time when churches have to l- relearn what it is that they can do and are being called to do, this is a season when we have to awaken to what the spirit would lead us to do and realize that we're here not to just survive can i get an amen yet there's a muffled amen in that <laughs> our job is not to just survive our job is to take the baton our job is to take the keys our job is to take the family business and to expand on that not to dig a hole and hide those in the ground because we're afraid of our Father, but rather to take those and to invest them, put them to work. And that's the expectation of being entrusted that brings us to Consecration Sunday, that where we bring ourselves to Him. He is... He has breathed his spirit into us because he trusts us he has empowered us through his his son's story and and that great gift of the spirit and called us to be his church because he trusts us he has put us with our individual and collective stories here in this church in this community because he trusts us with what we can do with him and together and your moment today your moment is about stepping into that trust I I want you to see that Paul Paul was one of those haters of the church. And yet Jesus faces him face to face and turns him into a missionary. Peter was a denier. And yet Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on you. You're the rock. He gives them the keys. You understand that these guys passed on the keys and the baton and the family business to their disciples. And that's why we're here today to acknowledge that God needs us to step into our roles and responsibilities, not just to do in the church, but to give, to pray, to lead, to be examples, to serve, and to be witnesses. We get to be His good and faithful servants. So I'm going to invite you, as you prepare to come and bring your your commitment cards, those cards are symbolic, and they're. I've read the card, it's more about your financial commitment, but I need you to understand that financial commitment is a commitment of self. And those are symbolic of God saying, I, I need you, and I've entrusted you. As, as you bring those this morning, I, I want you to recognize that what we get to do as a church is to step into that trust and to let him show us what this next era looks like. Because he's not done with Sweetwater. He's not done with his church. He needs this church as a cornerstone of what he wants to do here. And he's going to take the gifts that you have seen on the chancel this morning the gifts that you see in these classrooms the gifts that you know in your families and in this church and he's going to put those to work you don't dig a hole and hide what he's done in this church you turn it loose let's pray god i pray that you would help us recognize the important moment of you handing the baton, keys, and business off to us today. Forgive us when we have been more doubting and fearful and fumbling and hiding and protecting instead of venturous and courageous and giving and serving and sacrificial. Today I pray that you would help us recognize that we get to be a part of your moment and that we are your stewards of your kingdom. And so receive these gifts as symbols of our hearts and lives, and we pray that you would take these and turn them loose in ministry forms that we know and ministry forms that we get to invent together with you. And I ask that your spirit, that you've breathed into this church, would come alive and show us what else there is in Jesus' name.